Welcome to another episode of EmpowerApps.show. I'm your host, Leo Dion. You can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Today we have with us Kaya Thomas. Hey, Kaya. Hi, Leo. So glad to be here. Thank you for coming on the show. What are you working on right now? Well, right now I work full-time at Calm and... On the side, I have my app, We Read Too, which is a directory of children's and young adult books written by authors of color. How's that going? It's good. It's honestly hard to dedicate the amount of time I would like to it working full time. And there's a lot of things that I want to do with it this year that I'm hoping to get out. So just working on that time management. What do you think is like the most surprising challenge that you've faced with that app? The... Most surprising challenge is how many users expected that you would be able to preview the books inside the app. And that is like a whole nother ball game because getting the rights and access to yes. even a preview of books <laughs> that, you know, yeah. yeah, and having the capability to then integrate that into the app is like hard technically, but also legally. Um, And I'm just like a one woman team. So I don't have the capacity to be able to do that. But that's a request that I get a lot. Yeah, I can imagine the legal and rights stuff is going to be a mess. Exactly. I assume you probably did a bulk of the iOS development. Is there an Android version as well? Yes, there's an Android version that came out a couple of years ago, and it was um, made by a wonderful developer, Julia Nguyen. How did you find getting that port developed, being that you're so entrenched in the iOS space? It was interesting because I didn't really know much about Android development. I took a, a Android development class back when I was in college, but I never was like fully entrenched in it as I was iOS. I pretty much trusted her to know what was kind of best practice. And she wrote the app in Kotlin and used best practice when she did it. And if I ever want to kind of learn Kotlin, I could probably go back and play around with it. But yeah, so I haven't really dived too deep into the Android side of things. So for our topic today, I wanted to have you on specifically because I saw your talk a few years ago at TriSwift in New York, where you talked about notifications. And I know that your former employer was uh, Slack, who does a lot of stuff with notifications. And I'm sure you do still do stuff with notifications and Calm. And I cannot understate how important good notifications and good use of the API today is, especially when it comes to encouraging engagement. So I'm really glad to have you on the show to talk about this topic because I think it's really important. I agree. And I think notifications can be a, a tricky topic because there's a lot of complexity there. But like you said, it's so important for user engagement. And for a lot of apps, notifications are what kind of reminds the users that they even have the app installed and re-engages them in coming back to your product. Yeah. And I know the numbers on engagement are kind of pretty miserable uh, for most apps. So it's almost like notifications are probably the most important way to encourage that. What are some other important reasons for notifications? Depending on the type of app that you have, notifications can be really essential to informing your user of important information. So like an app like Slack, 
you get an important message or someone pings you directly, you want to be notified of that. And so it's ensuring that the user doesn't miss anything important that they need to know about. But also notifications have to be used responsibly, right? So if your app is a retail store app, you shouldn't be sending out a notification about a 10% off sale or something, you know, it's that, <laughs> <laughs> that's um, against the, the notification guidelines, but also notifications, there's a huge trust element. So if you're sending notifications to your users that are not really important or something that they don't deem important, you're going to be misusing their trust and potentially they might, you know, delete your app because of it. Yeah, and then you definitely have seen like Apple try to give more control to users slowly. Yeah. As far as notifications are concerned. Definitely. But it was interesting to bring up like the sale thing because I've seen that before where I'm just like, this is completely useless to me. And now it's become more of a nuisance. And it's especially troublesome because a lot of times. Quite frankly, we don't like need an app necessarily. There's something about having an app installed on your phone that it keeps it there even if you're done using it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so then it ends up notifying you, but you just needed that like one specific thing from that one specific store, yeah. uh, for instance. And it's like that's one troublesome part about notifications because then it can end up reminding the user, oh, yeah, maybe I should delete this app yeah, exactly. uh, in the first place. <laughs> Exactly. So it's a dangerous game to play. But yeah, notifications are an essential, important feature. So what are some different types of notifications you have available as a developer and a designer, I should say, on iOS? So the two main types of notifications you have are local notifications. So those are the ones that are scheduled on the device. So they're completely, you know, unique to that particular user and that particular user's device. And that can be done on just the iOS developer side. Uh, so there's no need for kind of backend or server side work there. And then you have remote notifications, which those are involve a server. So you have um, a server, which then is responsible for connecting and communicating with Apple's push notification service, APNS. And those are a bit more complex, right? Because then you have the full system, you have the front end, the iOS app, and then you have the back end, which is then responsible for scheduling and sending that notification to the right device. Now, why would you need a server-side remote push notification as opposed to a local notification that just, you know, requests some to call some sort of API request and then just schedules the notification on the device? Yeah, that's a great question. Remote notifications are really good for, let's say, like the Slack use case. For when you have like a really complex system, especially something like real-time messaging, um, there's usually a lot of complexity and logic happening on the back end that you don't really want to re-implement on the mobile client. So push notifications allows for if there's any information that the back end is responsible for knowing or implementing the logic around, then the back end would still then be responsible for triggering a, a push notification when they are then, you know, receive that information versus a simple use case for local notification is 
And at Calm, we have mindfulness reminders and bedtime reminders. And those are usually just sets, you know, what time of day do you want to be reminded to meditate? What time of day do you want to, you know, be reminded to go to sleep and listen to a sleep story? And those are local notifications because it's really simple, right? The user just sets what time they want to be notified. And then we schedule that on the device. But when you have something that's super, super complex, like real-time messaging, you don't necessarily want all of that logic on the client um, because the client can't be aware of all of the type of inbound messages that are coming in. So I did implement a local notification feature at Slack for in-app notifications so that if you're, you know, if you're currently using the app and you get pinged directly, you can still then see that notification within Slack, but it doesn't handle all notifications, right? It's that very specific use case. So I think the local notifications can be really good for those small use cases that make sense. But when you have a really complex system and a lot of complex knowledge that's happening on the server, that's where those remote push notifications come in. Got you. So like one use case that I'm currently struggling with is I am building a app for our local developer community here and they use Firebase for mm. their backend. And I'm realizing is I'm probably better off using Firebase's like messaging system for yep. doing push notifications as opposed to me listening for changes on the database on yep. the device. And that seems like a classic case of where notifications really should be on the server, in this case Firebase, as opposed to on the device itself constantly querying or wait watching for any changes to the database. Exactly, exactly. That's like the perfect use case example there where Firebase already has like a great system set up to implement those remote push notifications on the server. And so hooking that up would be less of a headache than actually, you know, having to then do that whole implementation yourself on the client. Are there different classifications of notifications besides local and remote, like how rich a notification can be? Yes, yes, exactly. So despite the type in terms of how the notification is scheduled or sent, you have different like categories of notifications. And usually these are related to the type of actions you can do on that notification. So rich notifications was a feature that Apple kind of came out with to allow designers and developers to have more UI in a notification if the user drills into it. So if the user long presses on that notification, then you can display a custom UI. Um, and then you can even have interactions within that notification UI. And then you can, of course, have custom actions. And I think, you know, quick actions are something that also would extend the power of notifications because for example, one of the really quick actions I love is we use Okta here at Calm. And so when you need to sign into Okta, they send you a push notification. And all you have to do is drag down on that push notification and hit accept instead of going into the app, loading it up, hitting accept, right? It's It allows less friction. And so I think quick action are allow you to let your users take advantage of some of the features that you have without actually having to go to, into your app. So you're making it more convenient for them. Okta, is that like a, like a sign-on thing? Is that what that is? For Okta? 
Yes. Yeah, what is yeah. that? Yeah, Okta is single sign-on. So it's for gotcha. usually, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's like usually for businesses and administration so that the you can sign into all your different apps just using Okta. Okay, okay, very cool. Our sponsor this week is Bright Digit. Bright Digit is my company, and we specialize in helping businesses build apps for the iPhone, the iPad, the Apple Watch, and the Mac. I've been building apps for iOS for almost 10 years now. We have an opening for new projects. If you are a company who might already have developers but need help building something for any of the Apple platforms, send me an email and let's see what Bright Digit can do for you. Contact me personally at leo at brightdigit.com. That's L-E-O at brightdigit.com. And let's see how I can help you and your business. So there's like categories and then there's like actions attached. And it seems like a lot, I don't know when they brought it in, if it was iOS 12 or 11, when they like basically, I don't want to say redid the user notification stuff, but. Yeah, that was iOS 10 actually. Okay. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause that was a huge improvement in notifications. What are some other ways like notifications have improved over the last few years? I think one of the coolest improvements was in iOS 12 when they actually allowed you you to have user interaction within a notification. So within that rich kind of custom UI that you can have in a notification, then the user can actually click on stuff within that. Because before it used to kind of just be like a glass box like you have a notification you can show it but the user can't actually do anything within the notification and you can add actions but you don't want to have like 10 actions on one notification right so the example that they showed in in dub dub that year was you know drilling down on a notification it's a picture and then just tapping a heart for liking it Right. And that's a really simple use case but it shows you oh okay this is a a kind of icon and an interaction that the user is used to that you can then bring into the notification instead of having a like action. You could just have a hard button. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. What are some other use cases for user interaction in a notification? I've seen really cool different implementations. I like a timer, right? So tapping plus or minus within a notification instead of having, you know, to, to drill into the app to do that, starting a timer, stopping a timer from a notification. So doing that within the actual notification. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Cause I think that it almost seems awkward to most users to have to go into the app itself. If they exactly. can just do it within the notification UI, it uh, the experience is less jarring, quite it, frankly. Yeah, it's less jarring and it's just ease of use. I would say the hardest thing, though, from the product side of things is discoverability. So even though these are like really cool features and you can implement them, the users don't always realize that they exist. So in order to know that a notification has like rich content or user interaction, you have to do that long press, right, on it, or you have to force touch right. on the notification. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, and I mean, that's a big problem on iOS, both on the iPad and, and the iPhone is discoverability, as we've seen with like multitasking or 3D touch or any of that stuff. Exactly. So, like, one of the issues that I've run into is keeping track of all the different kinds of notifications and, like, categories and stuff. 
what are like some really good architectural patterns when you're designing complex notifications and keeping track of all the different actions and things like that? Yeah, I think that's where Swift enums come in really handy. So having, you know, a, a notification factory or something where all your different categories are listed in an enum, and then you can then use that, the kind of identifier, which would be the raw text that matches to that category. And you can easily create the enum, you know, from that raw text. Because if a user interacts with a notification, Apple will send you back like, okay, what's the category identifier on this notification? What's the action identifier? And so because those are strings, then you can then use, you can use those strings to then create an enum from that. And so I feel like Swift enums are a really good way to kind of categorize all the different types of notifications you might have. So these are like enums with a raw value of a string, like not associated values or anything like that. And then just based on that, it can parse out what what exact category it is. Exactly. Okay. So the use the factory to create the notification and then how would you perhaps like interpret what button is clicked and things like that? Yeah, and that's where the different actions come. So if you have, you would have separate, a separate enum for notification category and then a separate enum for notification actions. And what I've done in the past is then having a computed variable on the notification category enum that has a variable for actions and it will return Mm. a list. uh, Yeah, and it will return a list of actions for that specific category, like enum case. Okay, very cool. That makes total sense. Yeah. What are some other challenges you've faced when it comes to notifications? I think the largest challenge when I was on the notification team on Slack was testing. Honestly, when you're working on, especially when it, when it comes to remote notifications. So if you're working on a feature and you're developing with backend engineers and you want to test something out, it actually was really, really difficult. So we're only talking about like remote notifications here. Yeah, I mean, local notifications are easier to test because you could test those right in the simulator. So you can right. you can schedule those and it will pop up on the simulator. So those, you can more easily kind of test the feature development. But when it becomes to remote and you have the server involved, um, that's when you get into trying to have a sandbox environment. At the time, you couldn't test on the simulator. You can only test on a real device. And then you had to use like a third-party software at the time called Pusher to then, you know, get your sandbox environment set up with the right certificate and then get your device ID and then put together the APNS JSON for what the notification is going to look like and then send it. It was a lot of, a lot of overhead, but I'm happy to say that now with Xcode 11.4, they've announced that now you can test notifications on the simulator, um, remote notifications. So you can bring in an APNS like JSON file and test out those remote notifications on the simulator. So it seems that Apple recognized that that was a huge problem. And I'm so I'm glad that they worked on that. Yeah, that's really awesome. Hopefully that'll be released by the time this episode is up. Because I've heard a lot of big improvements in 11.4, including that. So I've been itching to test it, to play around with it. But then part of me is like, oh, it'll be released soon. Yeah. I should should just wait. (laughs) So like, 
the one thing you just brought up testing is like, is there a way you can abstract away the uh, user notification part of unit user notifications so that unit testing becomes a lot more manageable? Yeah, there definitely are. So what I did at Slack when I worked on the in-app notifications feature is we created um, a protocol for notifications and we had this protocol, we had the actual Apple framework user notifications adhere to this protocol on an extension. And then we had a mock notification system that adhered to the protocol. That way we can actually unit test the functionality. And then you just mock that protocol in your unit test. Exactly. So that way it's not like an actual user notification. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. The other thing I was going to ask is when it comes to remote notifications, what are some really good like backend tools out there, whether it's anything from like Swift and Vapor to Node.js to Ruby for actually implementing remote notifications on the server? Really good question. I would say, honestly, I can't speak to too much the kind of cool new tools that are out there in terms of implementing those push notifications, but you had mentioned Firebase earlier, and I will say like Firebase does a, a really good job of you know, making it a bit easier to do push notifications remotely. There's another good tool as well called Pusher. It's not the same Pusher that I mentioned earlier. So there's a third-party tool, Pusher, that allows you to test out remote notifications in a sandbox environment. But there's also a company called Pusher that has, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of confusing, um, that has tools for programmatic push notification. It's a um, tool called Beams. And, and that's, a, okay. yeah, and that's a, a really kind of good tool that a lot of, of folks are using to do push notifications. And so I think there are a lot of kind of libraries and SDKs that, do a lot of the grunt work for you. So you don't necessarily have to implement um, a push notification service all from scratch. Okay. That makes it a lot easier then. So you mentioned something about the APNS certificate. How exactly does that work when it comes to push notifications? If you want to implement remote push notifications in your app, you have to make sure that that's like an entitlement that you put in your app app when you are registering for all the different kind of entitlements for your bundle ID when you're in the you know developer platform and setting up your app. And okay. then yeah, and then once you do that, Apple will guide you through the steps of creating that APNS certificate. And you actually what you have to do is once that certificate is created, then you have to get the P12 version, which is like an encrypted version of that certificate. And you have to right. up, upload that to your backend service because gotcha. then, yeah, because then your backend service then uses that certificate to kind of prove that it's verified to then send a notification to your specific device and the specific app. So it's, it's basically a verification system that you need in order for your backend system to talk to Apple's push notification service. I guess you wouldn't want to put like the P12 file in your like continuous integration or your source code that just goes on the server somewhere, like a config file. Yeah, and a config file is the exact use case. Okay, that makes a lot of sense then. 
What are some other big challenges you've faced when it comes to implementing notifications? I think one of the largest challenges, and this is for iOS and Android, is that when you have remote push notifications, the the beauty about the local notifications is it's immediate, right? You schedule Mm -hmm. it and you know it's going to get sent on the device. There's not an extra complexity there. When you have remote push notifications, you have to go through Apple or Google, right? You have to go through Apple or Google's service. So in our case for Apple, you have to go through Apple's push notification service and they have their own rules. So they have rules around throttling, right? They, okay. they, they could throttle your notifications. So there's a lot of rules about how many notifications you can send. So if you're an app that's sending a lot of notification, there is a possibility that some of those notifications will not get sent. That's the hard thing about remote push notifications is you're not actually responsible for the sending of the notification to the device. You're responsible for sending the notification to Apple and then they do the sending to the device. And so there are a lot of problems there that can arise that you really don't have any control over because it's like a black box. So the server sends the notification to Apple, then Apple delivers it to the device. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And so it's great. But then, like I'm saying, there are a lot of problems there where you might not be able to troubleshoot it because you don't really know what's happening or, you know, what's going on. For example, if you want to have a notification that then wakes up your app in the background to, like, say, download something um, or prepare something, you can set a content available flag. But Apple specifically throttles those content available flag um, notifications because they don't want you sending too many notifications that are then waking up the app in the background, which makes sense, right, from a performance standpoint. But if you are an app that sends a lot of notifications, but you also need some information to be downloaded in the background so that when the user opens the app, there's information there present, it makes it really difficult for you. Let me ask you a question. Um I, uh, I'm developing this app, right, for the local coding community. And the way I want it to work is I want them to get a notification if there's a new developer group in town or a new meetup, but also I want them to be notified if one of their favorite groups has a new event scheduled. Yeah. Right now I was just going through local notifications to do it, but I don't think that's going to be very manageable. So I think I want to move that over to Firebase messaging or something like that to do push notifications. Yeah. So what's the best way to let that user know if only certain groups have events? Like, can you filter out certain notifications? So like, let's say you're big into JavaScript, but you get a notification, there's a new event for the SQL group. Can you filter those out so that you don't care if the SQL group has a new event? Yeah, so this is where notification settings come really in handy. So there's a couple of ways you can go about it, but I think one of the best ways would be in the app itself, allow the user to then set what type of things they want to be notified about. So if they have like a kind of all their interests, JavaScript, this and this and that, then they can just turn on and off which type of events they want to be notified about. And then you go ahead and send that kind of user's notification choices and settings to the back end. Oh, yeah. See, I don't have that control. 
Oh, okay. I was just going to use user defaults for their preferences. Yeah, so I would say the the preferences you should send over to the back end because if you want to filter those notifications by the user's preferences, that's the best way to do it. Um, because Because gotcha. then you would only send a notification to the user that... That specific that ma- user. Exactly, that matches that criteria. Interesting. Okay, so maybe what I need is like some sort of back end list that tracks... Users and groups, I guess, and map those out. So that way, when I want to broadcast a push notification to a bunch of people, I have that list of devices more or less, correct? Yep, exactly. Cool. Is there anything else we should cover when it comes to like the big challenges you've faced with notifications or typical folks do? I would say don't forget of how important onboarding users when it comes to notifications is because. I think a lot of apps, what they do is they just use the kind of Apple default. Do you want to allow or not allow notifications? But they don't have any extra information there for users on what type of notifications that they're going to be sending. Because a lot of users then hit don't allow because they don't understand, like, why are you going to send me notifications or what's the purpose of these notifications? So if you can have like your own custom onboarding, you know, screen that shows here's the type of notifications we want to send you. Here's the type of important information you're going to be notified about. I think it creates a richer experience for the user and it really solidifies that trust aspect because they're like, okay, so I'm trusting them to send me only these types of notifications or I understand what type of notifications they're going to send me. And so don't forget about that user onboarding part. Yeah, I really like that. Like, um, I don't know what your preference is, but I like the ones where it's just like a page, a series of pages saying, hey, by the way, I need access to your location. So that way I can let you know uh, when you're nearby or something like that. And then the next page will be, and then it'll actually prompt you with the Apple note, like Apple prompt. And then you go to the next thing that asks for permission. And then it explains why it uses Bluetooth, for instance. And it's a little bit more transparent about it. And I appreciate that a lot more than just in the middle of using the app, all of a sudden it decides it needs access to notifications. And it's like, well, why are you asking me this now? Exactly. Um, I, I think a really good onboarding process is so important when a person uses their app for the first time. Yeah, I agree. So um, have you dealt with uh, like notifications on other devices outside of like the iPhone and the iPad, like the Apple Watch or the Mac? I have not done um, notifications on the Mac. I've done a little bit of Apple Watch notifications, but honestly, there were a lot of difficulties there that I personally faced in in testing out those notifications and ensuring that they they worked well, especially when it came to actions on on the apple watch i'm not right. sh- i'm not sure if things have improved or changed i haven't i haven't dived into that in a while but i did really have a lot of difficulties when it came to the watch and notifications i found though at least you get a lot with the built-in ios stuff when it comes to the watch like there isn't unless you absolutely need an apple watch app you know you're doing like fitness or something like that I could see how it might be important to have a custom Apple Watch app with a custom notification, but you kind of get a lot already just with the iOS stuff if you, without having to customize it specifically for the watch. Yeah. And I think a lot of developers don't, don't realize that. 
when it comes to the Apple Watch per se. Yeah, for sure. What can teams do to make notifications part of the UI design process? Because I feel like it's almost, it's an afterthought where it really shouldn't be because it might be the main way users interact with your app. Yeah, that's a really good question. I feel like when you're developing kind of a big major feature, if you're making a big major change to the app and it's maybe changing the behavior of how the user will interact with your app, think about if it's appropriate to then add notifications along with that feature. Not a a notification about the feature being announced, but using that feature, can you bring that experience out of the app and into a notification as well? Thinking about, I think, the engagement side of things. So could this, you know, increase user engagement? Could this increase our daily active users? And also thinking about the convenience factor. Is this a feature that, you know, we can have convenient quick actions on a notification and then re-engage those users again in a really simple way? Would you design notifications in the same way you would design like a screen on an iPhone app? I would personally not because you have so much less screen real estate. So it's like the same idea when you're thinking about, you know, designing something for the watch. Your screen real estate is um, much smaller because with notifications, although they do give you kind of a good amount of real estate with uh, rich notifications, you don't want to really take up, you know, the entire screen. And so thinking about how you can condense information into a smaller area and because the purpose with the notification is not to inundate the user with a bunch of information in that one you know area Mm -hmm. but it's to condense and solidify what are the most important things about the information that you're sending them that they need to read right now and then what is something quick that they can do in response to that information is there like a limit to the number of choices you should be giving the user? I personally think that anything more than four is is a bit overkill. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, agree. <laughs> I was even going to say three, but yeah, I mean, I think keep it quick, and then if they need to launch the app, they can launch the app exactly uh, from the notification for more details. Exactly. Anything else you would recommend managers keep in mind when they're implementing? notifications in their app, especially like early on in the process of designing the app? I would make sure that, you know, in your conversations with product and marketing and such, making sure that you're being responsible with notifications. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that sometimes, you know, people think notifications are they're are going to solve their engagement issues or going to solve, you know, oh, people are not going back to our app. And and they do that in really kind of a little bit sleazy, sleazy ways. <laughs> and so, know, exactly. yeah. And so making sure if you're an engineering manager on a team and you're speaking from the technical side of things, making sure that you're up to date with the notification guidelines. And if there's something that is recommended to be, you know, implemented that goes against that speaking up and saying, I think we should, you know, rethink this because this is against the guidelines. And people don't realize is like going against the guidelines, whether it's like the notification guidelines or human interface guidelines, it can get your app rejected. And I think even a lot of big companies, you know, they feel 
very confident, like, oh, well, it's okay if we, you know, skirt this little, you know, feature. You may get away with it once or twice, but it may come back and you may get rejected or your app may get kicked out of the store, you know, because (laughs) Apple doesn't always play favorites. (laughs) Right. And, you know, if you get that guy who's really a stickler for it or that girl who's really checking up on guidelines, like that might screw up your production deadline and all that stuff. Exactly. So we're about three months away from WWDC. What are you most looking forward to as far as notifications on iOS 14? Or what would you like to, what are some improvements you'd like to see? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I honestly, I'm hoping that there is, they better tackle the discoverability aspect for notifications in iOS 14. So I'm hoping, honestly, what I would really love, and I feel like this may be a little bit far-fetched, but why not bring those rich notifications, those content, those full screens to the notification center? Like instead of me having to tap in, why can't I see that rich content when I scroll down on the notification center? Because I think mm-hmm. I think that would also get users to then want to press on the notification to see what maybe actions it has or to see if there's more, if they don't all look the same, you know? Right. I totally get what you mean. So a couple of things. I think this is probably going to happen because I hear a lot of talk about it and we don't even think about it because it's such a big part of the name of the product. But I don't really think phone numbers need to be that prominent when you get a phone call. And I understand why it's like a first class citizen in a lot of ways, but I think that getting a phone call is just another notification. And I'm not so sure that it needs to take up the whole screen mm-hmm. when you get a phone call. We call them phones, but that's like, that's just, that's just history. That's the only reason yeah. why we call yeah. these things phones, but they're yeah. really not phones. Yeah. And then the other thing is like, and I know people say this all the time, but like really like some sort of granularity, like do not disturb would be nice. Yeah. There's some things where I'm in do not disturb at night where I need to get a text message for my wife, but I don't need to know about like my Amazon delivery coming the next day. Yeah. And there's like, I'm not asking for a lot of granularity. It doesn't have to be super in control, but just something to where like there's certain do not disturbs that are important in certain times where certain messages aren't. And I think like a little bit of like at least a prioritization of certain notifications would be super helpful. Yeah, I agree. I think having a bit more, bringing that priority to easier for the user to select and choose is going to be really important because like you said, it's like, do not disturb is one size fits all right now. Right. Yeah. So it would be great if we can, if we can get that more granular. So before we close out, where can people find some great resources online to learn more about user notifications? Definitely check out Apple's documentation, developer.apple.com slash notification. There is a bunch of like design guidance, developer guidance. Check out the WWDC videos. Those are really great. And then I would then, if you want to continue to dive deeper, check out blog posts. I have a, a blog post. This is more for iOS 12. I have a blog post in Smashing Magazine that uh, was pretty good at, and, and go over like detailed parts about notifications and definitely just, I think, 
sticking to the documentation though, it's it's really good and really helps in terms of when you're first getting started out, especially if you're if you're doing those local notifications. The documentation is all you need. And then if you're getting into those remote notifications, making sure that you're like pairing with a really good backend developer to potentially help you on the nuances of implementing and testing those stuff out on the server. Awesome. Where can people find you online, Kaya? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kthomas901. My website is kayathomas.info. Yeah, I'm available through those mechanisms, and I'm always on Twitter. So that's a really good <laughs> that's a good, really good way to reach me. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great chatting with you, Leo. People can find me online at Leo G. Dion on Twitter. Uh, My website is brightdigit.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to talking to you again. Thank you. Thank you. 